Um, we stopped kind of in the middle of chapter 11 last time. I'm just going to pick it up there. And I don't have a particular pace I want to go to or go at uh, right now because we've got plenty of time. And after so many chapters of genealogies, these chapters still give us some names and some lists and things, but we're going to treat them differently. There are lots and lots of little mini stories um, about David's mighty men and uh, some things along those lines. I don't actually have a copy of the sheet myself now that I think of it. One thing I wanted to address, and I, I didn't get it into the worksheet, is what was the purpose of the mighty men? What, what uh, you know, we don't, we don't think in those terms in, in our military today, um, but why did David have all of these mighty men? And that's what we're going to be addressing today. I think if you don't mind, I'd like to talk about it right up front. And that is, if you think about the time period we're in, um, David becomes king 42 years after the long couple centuries of the judges. Um, and if you consider who the judges were, those 12 individuals, Othniel, Ehud, um, Shamgar, uh, uh, Gideon, uh, Samson, Jephthah, and, uh, and so forth. And then a couple men after the time of the judges, uh, like Samuel, bears the name of judge and so forth. And two of his sons bear the name of judge, although they kind of were rotten kids and, and some others. But who were, in, in, for the most part, the, the judges tells us something about who the mighty men were. Um, each of those judges was partly a, a, and hopefully a good godly man, correct? And then they also tended to be great military leaders. They were personally brave, aggressive, warlike. Um, they won victories and so forth. Um, uh, uh, different, uh, different judges defeated different numbers of enemies of God's people and so forth. Well, if you have that culture where we have these heroes, if I can just use that word, um, who can oppose armies, what is David doing? And you think about the transition between David and Solomon, or rather, I'm sorry, Saul and David. Um, David begins to gather those mighty men, those heroes, and they become personally devoted to David. Um, what, is, what has David done by gathering up all of the mighty men under, if, I, if you will, under his own banner? Well, hasn't David taken most of what is the potential opposition to his throne and he kind of gathered up every single possible opponent he had and he made them personally loyal to him and I don't know if you've ever thought about it that way but that's kind of what he's doing um, so that these men uh, and we're going to read the long list of these men some of them were relatives and some of them were foreigners but he took all of them who might have been might have set themselves up in opposition to him and he made them personally loyal. And so later on, who are the only people who begin to really oppose David? His own sons, 
right. So uh, it isn't a foreigner, it isn't an enemy soldier or warrior, but it's from his own family. And we, we need to remember, as, as, a, as, as just a reminder, as we're raising our families, and I know uh, 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 none of you have children the age of my children uh, now, but you have uh, older kids and grandchildren. Remember that they didn't live through what you lived through. Um, I forget that about my sons all the time. My sons did not grow up in a world that didn't yet have Microsoft Windows, you know, and and things like that. Um, For all of my sons, 9-11 is just something that they grew up hearing about. You know, even the the couple that were born before it were just toddlers when 9-11 happened. And and for us, that seems like kind of recent history. For them, it's ancient history. Um, how many of you remember where you were the day Kennedy was assassinated? And, and, and I do too, but I was in my mother's womb. Okay? That's my alibi. I didn't do it. Okay? Uh, I wasn't in Dallas that day. Uh, I was in Morrisonville, or no, Poinette. Um, but... Uh, um, uh, we have to remember that our kids don't go through what we go through. And we have to pass down our stories to them and help them to remember our point of view, which I think is one of the things that David later on failed to do with his own sons. What is the hallmark of David's younger years? Who would ever raise his hand against God's anointed? You know, that, that's just what David says all the time when he's running away from Saul uh, and so forth. And even after Saul dies, he, he kills the Amalekite who dared to say that even, I think in a lie, that he had raised his hand against the Lord's anointed. And yet he didn't pass that down to his own sons because they start raising their hand against dad, the Lord's anointed. Um, so uh, it's important to pass on those lessons in life. So David gathers this great mass of these heroes, these mighty men. We're going to get a number at the end of the day today, uh, which may make you stagger a little bit. Because as you're reading the text, the number kind of creeps up on you. You're not expecting it to be more than a quarter of a million. Um, In a city, by the way, that held maybe 2,000. So... We'll, uh, we'll, between here and there, though, we'll get to Hebron a little bit later on. But let's go back in time. These were, this is uh, chapter 11, verse 10. These were the chiefs of David's mighty men. By the way, um, uh, who is the actress in um, Green Acres? Ava Gabor, right? Uh, Ava and Jaja, their, their last name, Gabor, is the Hebrew word hero or mighty man. Gabor, okay? And the mighty men are simply the Gaborim, the, the mighty guys, um, the, uh, the heroes. So these were the chiefs of David's mighty men. They, together with all Israel, gave his kingship strong support to extend it over the whole land as the Lord had promised. This is the list of David's mighty men. So, all right, let's start with the first one. That's not really his picture. Jeshobiam, a Hakmonite was chief of the officers. He raised his spear against 300 men whom he killed in one encounter. That's, that, 
Couldn't that be in the book of Judges? In fact, it almost is a couple of times. That's, that's the kind of guy, yes. I think in this case, we're talking about him single-handedly. Um, we get that in, in Judges uh, early on. The first three Judges are Othniel, Ehud, and Shamgar. And the last of those names, Shamgar, goes down into Philistia with an ox goad. That's the pointy stick you make the cow go faster with. That's all he's armed with. And he kills 300 Philistines. Um, so saving Israel, so single-handedly. Um, and and I, I think that this Jeshobiam probably did, does this too. These are all individual exploits, um, but a very, very good, clear question about this guy. Next to him was Eliezer, son of Dodai the Ahohite, one of the three mighty men. So there are, by the way, there are mighty men, and then above them, there are the 30. And above them, there are the three. So different levels of these heroes. So this Eliezer, one of the three mighty men, he was with David at Pasdamim. That's the field of blood when the Philistines gathered there for battle. Um, so this isn't that pass in good times. Um, so this is when it's pretty dry, but it does grow over with lots of... You see in the forefront where I have the words... There's a little one bush. You know, it really would be a green um, area. At, at a place where there was a field full of barley, the troops fled from the Philistines. But they took their stand in the middle of the field. That's David and this other man. So side by side, shoulder to shoulder. They defended it and struck, down, struck the Philistines down. And the Lord brought about a great victory. So this guy stood with David. Um, and, uh, and so David, you know, uh, uh, made him one of his chiefs, one of his three. Three of the 30 chiefs came down to David to the rock at the cave of Adullam. While a band of Philistines was encamped in the valley of Rephaim. I've, I'm, I'm going to show you some maps here because this is such, um, a, for, I think from David's perspective, such an ill-considered request and such a terrifying moment. Uh, uh, but at that time, David was in the stronghold and the Philistine garrison was at Bethlehem. Now, there are a couple places, even in this chapter, that are called the stronghold. Sometimes Jerusalem is the stronghold, but this is before David had captured Jerusalem. Sometimes Hebron is the stronghold, but David's not at Hebron here. Sometimes Ziklag is the stronghold, but this isn't Ziklag either. This is clearly the cave of Adullam. And there was a stronghold there. I forgot to give you a slide. I have a slide of the cave of Adullam. It's huge. Um, it would be like our fellowship hall and the entire new section of the church with one nice, big, wide, um, uh, uh, oh, industrial garage door opening you know the kind that a couple vehicles could get through and then a couple different levels it's a beautiful vast cave where yeah you could you could hide a lot of guys there the cave of Adullam um, and the Philistine garrison was at Bethlehem so if you see the the uh, the red pointy thing that is the valley of Rephaim which is really that river that, that the, the, the valley is 
that uh, we would call it a gulch. In Hebrew, they call it a wadi. That's a stream that's only fed by rain. So in the summer, it's dry. In the winter, it fills up again. That's, that's how it goes. Well, do you see the words Cave of Adullam at the bottom? And you see above it is Bethlehem. Okay, so that's maybe uh, six, seven miles away from the Cave of Adullam. There are Philistines at Bethlehem and up at the Valley of Rephaim and below David in Philistia. So David is, it's the, the Philistines are kind of in a horseshoe all around David. He's in the middle. And what does he say? He longed for water and said, Oh, that someone would get me a drink of water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem. Why would you send, why would you even say that? Well, David was born in Bethlehem. I miss my hometown water. You know, and, and so what, what do his heroes do? The three broke through the Philistine lines, drew water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem, and carried it back to David. So, uh, uh, but he refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out before the Lord. Um, let me finish what David says before I talk about this. So God forbid that I should do this, he said. Should I drink the blood of these men who went at the risk of their lives? Because they risked their lives to bring it back, David would not drink it. Such were the exploits of the three mighty men. So three of these heroes, when David just says this offhand remark, you know, oh, I missed the taste of the well back home. And they think, hey, this is what, this is what our, our captain says. Let's go get him some of that water. Well, here, this is a better map of this thing. So you have... Um, uh, Jerusalem is not yet an Israelite city, but you can see Bethlehem below Jerusalem and the valley of Rephidim and Adullam, plus the Gaza Strip there in the southwest, down the lower left-hand corner. Well, the Philistines are garrisoned at various places here, and David is in the middle of all of this. Um, so there's David at Adullam, and these guys go to get this water, and then they come and bring it back. And why, uh, David, why not send them down to Hebron where there was a friendly city, walled city with a well and everything? Um, it would have even been a little bit closer, five miles instead of seven. But he kind of says this wishy thing about his hometown, um, like me carelessly saying things about Poinette to you occasionally, uh, my hometown, but they go and get it. And David won't even drink it, so he dumps out the water that they bring him. Um, and this is an act of worship, really. He, he simply de 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 devotes the water to the Lord and says, I risked their lives. That was a foolish thing for a commander to do. This is David admitting he was wrong. As one of the heroes, I might have thought, well, he could have at least drunk some. You know, but that's not what he does. He pours it out to the Lord. That's just never going to stop pouring, is it? Wish the rain would be like that today. All right. Let's go to Abishai. Abishai, the brother of Joab, was chief of the three. Who are Abishai and Joab to David? His nephews, actually. His nephews. His sister's children. His sister's children. Um, he raised a spear against 300 men whom he killed. 
And so he became as famous as the three. There again is 300. Um, in military terms, how many is 300? It's half a brigade. Into the valley of death rode the 600. The 600. That's the charge of the light brigade. One of the most foolish charges in all the history of all military ever. Um, Lord Cardigan probably should have been hanged for that. Instead, he became famous and produced a sweater everybody loved. Um, but uh, it was just a mistaken order. But this, uh, here, Abishai, and here again, there, there is this tendency throughout the Bible to talk about these groups of enemies in terms of 300. This is the second time in this chapter you've seen it, and there are others. So it's made me wonder more than once publicly whether 300 was kind of a standard army size for them. Is what we would call half a brigade. Um, is that something that they would, they would have had leaders of? Um, who would be the, in our military, who would be the commander of half a brigade? Lieutenant Colonel, probably. Yeah, 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 that's a, that seems about right. Who's the most famous Lieutenant Colonel in all of uh, American uh, lore? No, he was Navy. Kennedy was Navy. Um, no, uh, Henry Blake. The first commanding officer in MASH. <laughs> he was a lieutenant He was a lieutenant colonel. But uh, there. Always use an illustration your people will recognize. All righty. So. Can you imagine, though, with, you've got a spear and that group is facing you? I mean, I'm, well, the, the, the truth is, I, 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 I've heard some people talk about this. When I was in karate, I talked about my sensei, uh, my, my instructor about this kind of thing. And he would always say that um, uh, your reputation and your aggressiveness roll ahead of you. A name does more than, than, than other things. And after you've knocked down the first couple guys, the next ones will have trouble getting to you. You know, so you start building up, you, you, you build up your sandbags made out of your enemies, you know, after a while. And uh, it, it, that, that's just how part of this goes. Also, if you begin to rout them, some of them begin to run away from you. You know, it's a different kind of a target and so forth. And, but more than one biblical hero does this. He defeats 300. So Abishai, the middle brother um, in this group, he was doubly honored above the three and became their commander, even though he was not included among them. So he's not one of the three, he's their superior officer. So it's as if the three was a special designation. I want to be one of the three, but he's not one of the three, so he's not included among them. So, none of you know who those are, do you? Or do you recognize them? Colleen, do you know? It's the Bee Gees. And that this is an actual photograph. I'm going to show it to you again. The Bee Gees, do you know who the Bee Gees are, were? So a, a rock and roll group, really, a, a, from the time of the Beatles, and then they moved, into, they moved into disco for a while and then out of it again. They had a little brother named Andy who wanted to be one of the Bee Gees. He ended up with a solo career. They wouldn't let him in, though. So there he is with the group, and there he is outside the group. He didn't get to be part of the group. So that's my little Bee Gees joke. Let's just move on before 
I make a bigger fool of myself. So there's Zeruiah, the sister of these guys. There's Abishai, Joab, and Abishai becomes the chief of the three or the supervisor over the three. Joab is going to become David's military commander when he does what? What gave Joab the, the, the rank? What was his exploit? No, Joab took Jerusalem in the previous section. Joab was the one who climbed up. Remember we had those slides of the water, of the, of the, of the waterway under Jerusalem? That was Joab. So he's the one, the little brother of Abishai, the middle brother. And Azahel is going to come into this. All three of these guys are going to end up as part of David's elite group, but in different ways. Now a very interesting man. Benaiah, those of you who taught elementary school, recognize the picture? I used to love that book when I was a kid. Anyway, the snowy day. Uh, Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, was a valiant fighter from Kabzeel who performed many, or rather performed great exploits. He struck down two of Moab's best men. He also went down into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. Why would you go down into the pit to kill the lion? Don't you have a spear you could do it from above with? You know, or a bow and arrow or a rock or something, but to go down there to kill the lion, that's... Uh, is that the kind of life these guys led? You know, you kind of think of, uh, of, of your uh, uh, muscle-bound guys and, oh, lion down there, hey, I'll, I'll go down and get it. You know, that kind of thing. Is that the kind of guy he was? Or, um, or was it that the lion had to be stopped? That it maybe had a way out and they, they just had to kill it and he offers to go down and do it. Um, but he goes down to this pit and, uh, and he kill, excuse me, kills this lion. It also tells you that there is occasionally snow in Israel. And there is, and they offer, by the way, that's an African lion, not a Syrian lion. So they probably had lions that were a little bit more like our cougars than the big African lions. I don't know if it would have had a big mane like that, but it was a dangerous, dangerous uh, uh, cat. Also, this is still Benaiah. He struck down an Egyptian who was seven and a half feet tall. Although the Egyptian had a spear like a weaver's rod in his hand, Benaiah went against him with a club. He snatched the spear from the Egyptian's hand and killed him with his own spear. Uh, it, I, that, that's an exciting battle if, if, if we could have filmed that um, if uh, Pastor Scharf weren't off on uh, wherever he is this week um, I would have we, we, we would have acted this out maybe I could have given you a little video of, uh, of Benaiah against the giant Egyptian had to have gotten one of Nate's uh, sons to be on his shoulders to get to the seven foot mark um, or two um, or something like that. But this, this Benaiah also, the amazing exploits. Such were the exploits of Benaiah, son of Jehoiada. He too was as famous as the three mighty men. He was held in greater honor than any of the 30, but he was not included among the three. Um, there is that refrain, the, the three were the three. And these guys do spectacular things, but they don't make it into the three. So the three must have been a very particular group 
um, of, of these heroes um, that, that, uh, that David had. Um, but David put him, this is still Benaiah, David put him in charge of his bodyguard. Um, now, this Benaiah, he's significant for another reason. He has a long life. And when David is a very old man, actually on his deathbed, this Benaiah is still around. Pretty good feat for a man who's basically a warrior who lives through 40 years of war. So how old is Benaiah at, you know, at that time? He's got to be you know, at least 65, right, and maybe older. Um, but when the rebellion of Adonijah, the very last rebellion in David's lifetime is going on, it is Benaiah who first speaks up in support of David's son Solomon. So it, the, the, both 1st and 2nd Kings and 1st Chronicles will go out of their way to mention Benaiah when Adonijah's rebellion happens. That it was along with Zadok the priest and Nathan and Gad the prophets and Benaiah the chief of David, David's bodyguard. That's what he is, right? And that's, that's important. He is so personally loyal to David that David made him the chief of his own bodyguard. That's got to be a very loyal individual. So that's who this Benaiah was. And he's the one who will support David and support David's heir, Solomon, over Adonijah, who's gaining an army over there on the other side of the Kidron Valley. So it was a dangerous time, and Benaiah, the old man, is still going to support David no matter what. So to his great credit, it was a wise choice of David to pick that guy, wasn't he? For his bodyguard, personal bodyguard. By the way, in other armies, there is occasionally an elite fighting group that is often known as the guard that will be set apart from all others. And they're often the ruler's elite bodyguard. But uh, Napoleon Bonaparte had one of these that he didn't usually send into battle um, unless the battle was going very badly. And then he would send them in to kind of save the day. Um, but that elite guard um, idea has continued even into modern times. Um, the mighty men were Azahel, the brother of Joab, Elchanan, son of Dodo from Bethlehem, and there's Azahel, um, as you see, the first of David's mighty men now. So the three brothers, one is the chief of the three, that elite group, one is David's military commander, that's Joab, and the other one is the first of the mighty men. They all seem to have like cabinet minister titles, just slightly different. Like they're together, they're the joint chiefs of staff, something like that. And in our in our military, they would have big badges on their on their shirts of all the different exploits and battles that they had been in, um, and so forth. These are not one-star generals; they are two, three, four, five-star generals, um, probably. Then we have the list. And I don't know that I'll necessarily read the list. I'm just going to finish the chapter here. Um, but you've got some interesting towns. Hororite, Pelonite, Tekoa is near Bethlehem. Anatoth is also near Jerusalem. Um, Hushahite, another Ahohite. Uh, Natofa 
is another city. You got a couple guys there from Natofa. They're Natofathites um, from around there. Uh, Gibeah in Benjamin and so forth. Um, in this second section here, um, you have Asmaveth and so forth. You have Gizon. Um, Jonathan, son of Shagi the Hararite. Shagi would be a pretty cool name to give your child, right? Um, you have um, Eliphal, son of Ur. Um, you have Hefer there, Hezro, the Carmelite. Mount Carmel is on the... You have Joel, the brother of Nathan. And I, there is no other reference to him in verse 38. I kind of wonder if maybe that's Nathan the prophet's brother. Joel is always called the brother of Nathan in some other exploits. Kind of wonder if maybe that's the connection between those two. Then you have this Zelek, who is an Ammonite. Some guys from other places now. They're, these are not cities, but rather nations. Um, the armor bearer of Joab is in this group. There's an Ithrite, a couple Ithrites. There's a Hittite, Uriah. Um, he's famous for other reasons. Um, you have a Reubenite, chief of the Reubenites with 30 with him. Like the Reubenites had their own 30. Makes me wonder a little bit more if the 30 is a special designation within a military force. David had his 30. The Reubenites had their 30. Um, Hanan, Jehoshaphat, Uzziah, Shammah, um, and others. And uh, just to, to round this all off, there are 47 names in that group, which is called the 30. Why would there be 47 names? Well, how many soldiers in American soldiery, how many soldiers are in a squad? Would you expect there to be four? Well, squad and quad are not the same word, right? So a squad is a small group, maybe 10 soldiers. Um, a squad will have mostly privates. They'll have their corporal, who is a specialist, running whatever equipment they have. But who is the dad of the squad? Always it's Sarge. So he's the one who looks after the group and make sure that they accomplish what they're going to accomplish. But a sergeant may never have been a corporal. A sergeant might be a promoted private who is simply good at looking after the others and getting the job done. A corporal is a specialist. Um, but uh, then again, a squad might grow in numbers. It might shrink in numbers. Same with a company or a battalion. Um, they might, you might have 300, you might have 307. You might have 250, but you still have the same name. So the 30, we have 47 names. Also, though, guys die and new guys get brought in. Uriah the Hittite was killed in battle. New guys got brought in. But their entire list, though, if, as you see it here, it does have 47 names. That brings us to the end of chapter 11. You've been listening to Invisible Church, the Bible study podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church, New Wall, Minnesota.